0: yo what is going on all you unstoppable restaurant professionals thank you for joining us today before we get started we have to thank today's sponsor hot schedules since 1999 they've been laser focused on giving restaurants the best tools to help us manage our people improve productivity and they do it all from a platform that fits your business Visit go.hotschedules.com unstoppable to learn more. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Sam Glenn. Sam, please tell me you're feeling unstoppable today. Oh, absolutely. Every single day, Eric. (laughs) All right. So, Glenn was raised in the restaurant biz, washing dishes and bussing tables at his father's restaurant in North Conway, New Hampshire. A little shout out to the New Hampshire folks out there. All right. Keep on going, Eric. Uh, Today, he has followed his father's footsteps. And at the age of 27, the ripe age of 27, he has found his own restaurant, Chomp Kitchen and Drinks, located in Warren, Rhode Island. If there's a burger award out there in Rhode Island, Chomp has won it. And now Chomp is making national footsteps on the burger scene, uh, as they've recently been recognized as best burger in America by Restaurant Hospitality Magazine. And that's just huge, man. Uh, Congratulations on that. So this is just a huge aerial view of who you are, what you're all about. I can't wait to learn more. But why don't you... Get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra, what do you have for us
1: well, there's something I think all my employees could probably uh they could probably answer this better than I do, but um you know something that i I was taught from a young age working in my dad's places and, and talking to the managers theres when I was busting tables when it's super busy. Um, the Navy seals have a, a mantra smooth as fast mm. and, and that's something that we have we have a sign of it before you walk out of the kitchen into the dining room um, and it's something that My manager and my wait staff, my bartenders and my kitchen staff all say at least once a day, you know, we're a super small restaurant, um, but we're super busy all the time. So being smooth is the best way to be fast. You know, if you're fast, you can get um, sort of clumsy and, and forget things. But if you slow it down, if instead of letting the influx of people into our dining room dictate how you feel, you know, let's reverse that. Let's slow it down a little bit. Let's remember that we're we're all trained, we're all super talented at what we do. Um, you know, don't let the situation dictate how we respond to it. And then we we take that you know every single day into every single service, and it's um it's something that's really, uh, you know, part of the culture of us here. And people say it every day. So I think that that is. Far and away, the best one. I, I think love it too. The
0: employee that I have, they would say that that's my favorite one too. So that's, that's awesome, man. Smooth is fast, and I think what I mean, what I'm hearing, what's resonating with me, and what I've learned through interviewing so many incredible people like you, is that you need. The, when I hear the word smooth, what what comes to me to my mind is systems and processes, and just having things in place. You know, maybe some might call it mise en place or your you know systems, sure. processes, procedures. But what. I mean when you think of the word smooth what things are coming to your mind
1: well there's a lot that goes into being smooth you know there's a lot of behind the scenes um training and educating that we do during pre-shift uh that we do during um throughout service sometimes you know to to pick up on something that we see a server do everything comes from a good place Mm -hmm. Uh, you know we're all uh striving for for perfection you know we, we strive for it every single day um will we ever get there you know it's it's a hard thing to attain but if we're working towards it every day then we can be a little bit better. And when you're smooth at a table, you can speak confidently about our food. You can speak confidently about our beer program, our cocktails, Mm. and that resonates with our guests. You know, we stress so much relationships and building that relationship. So if you're able, if you're stumbling over your words to, you know, explain what an IPA is, or Mm -hmm. if you're, um, you're not quite as well-versed at the difference between a stout and a porter, um, people can tell. And, And we work really hard with, with our staff, with our bartenders, with our vendors to be as educated as we can, you know, to be a destination, not only for, um, for our food, but for our hospitality, you know, it should be on a level that is, um, exceeds people's expectations when they go into uh, a burger restaurant. You mm-hmm. know, we are a burger restaurant. Um, but what we do, we could apply to any sort of, uh, cuisine, whether it's uh, fine dining or whether it's, you know, Italian or whether it's uh, a buffet, mm-hmm. you know, it, it all, there's correlations between every single one. So we approach it. You know, we happen to serve burgers and sandwiches, but we approach it like we could serve any any food.
0: Awesome, man. And just to summarize what I'm hearing from you, when you think of the word smooth, it sounds like for you it's just informing your team and giving them the knowledge and the tools to be successful. And that, that's up to you, and, and any of us can do that. So great stuff. And I'm curious, when I was doing my research on you, uh, I didn't find much Background information. I know that you grew up in the restaurant industry, but what's your education in? I mean, was it? I mean, did you just go straight to owning your own place? Like, what were the stepping stones you took to get to where you are?
1: Uh, you know, like many people in the industry, it's, it was kind of unconventional. It was conventional in the sense that I grew up in it. I'm a third generation restaurateur. Um, you know, much like a lot of people that grow up in this industry, they want to get out of it um, a, as quickly as as they can. Yeah. But uh, so I went to college. <laughs> I played baseball in college um, down in Florida. And, uh, you know, I hated the snow. Uh, I, I didn't oh, want to I do don't blame it. you. <laughs> so I took the first plane I could find down to, uh, to Florida Southern College in Lakeland and uh, played baseball down there and got a degree in marketing.
0: Ah, okay. It's all coming out now. I, I knew there had to be something there because, man, you're sharp. Your website's on it. You're, you're doing so many things right. We're going to tap into all those things. But I knew there had to be something else going on, and I'm, I'm, I can really see that marketing uh, degree shining when I look Thank into you. what you're doing. So awesome stuff. So yeah. tell me, man, what's your, why, what drives you? What is it about this industry that, you know, makes you just show up every day, fill with energy, just crushing it.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. I think, you know, the restaurant industry is the only industry where you can get instant gratification from something that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like if you're, if you work for a marketing firm, you know, it can take months to really analyze and see the impact of, a. um, you know a different sort of campaign that you put out there, mm-hmm. uh you know we work our butts off every single day, you know guests come through our door every day and we get we get feedback within a half an hour. We can get feedback within two minutes you know when the person comes in, you know they change their mood, you know they're happy um, so it's really satisfying to be able to make somebody's day better, you know and we do that through hospitality and you know we try to create a place where they feel comfortable, whether they've been here for the uh you know a hundred times or their first time we treat them. The, the same exact way, you know, we greet them with a smile, um, we try to learn a little bit about them, you know, what's their favorite beer, That's always a kind of a uh, an icebreaker, we have uh, close to 30 beers on tap, so it's kind of one of those things where we can gauge, you know, how uh, into our concept they are, you know, if they're a, a crazy beer drinker, um, they're going to know a lot of the stuff on the menu, mm-hmm. um, if they're kind of, um, if they're dabbling in it, you know, they're, they're more of a Coors Light, Bud Light guy, but they really want to get into the craft movement, we take a tremendous amount of of pride and respect in them trusting us to recommend a beer for them so we um you know we work really hard at, at what we do um but definitely without a doubt the, the why is is that satisfaction and it's also you know part of uh a, a huge part of why i'm doing this is you know is it, kind of challenging the status quo of what restaurants are and, and what they used to be and
0: so what what do they used to be in your opinion
1: i think you know, there's there's a lot more transparency with us than I think with other restaurants. You know, mm-hmm. it used to be something where, you know, everything was a, a closely guarded secret. You know, we're more, we want to be a place where people can um, can certainly trust us and, and can trust our opinion and, and understand why, you know, hey, this beer's uh, you know, this beer's $12. You know, why is it 12 bucks? How can you charge $12 for a beer? You know, a little bit about Warren. Warren is a very blue-collar, you know, working-class town between mm-hmm. two very affluent towns, and uh part of the reason why we chose Warren is because it was right for the picking and, and there wasn't a restaurant that had opened up in this town um, in in quite some time since we've opened up, there's been five restaurants that have opened up in two years Mm -hmm. and they're two and a half years now. And, and they're all on the same caliber um, with approach with, with sourcing with hospitality. And it's great. I mean, there's a huge movement in this town um, and it's gaining, you know, certainly statewide um, and, and even regional attention for, um, it funny little uh, tangent, Warren is the only other town besides Brooklyn, New York, that has the sort of zoning that we do. So there, there's, uh, you know, industrial, there's manufacturing, there's commercial, there's residential, there's art. There's a, a ton of different districts. And it has that vibe. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, a very artsy community. There's a ton of incredibly talented artists. Um, there's a ton of, you know, it, all these mills in town you have no idea what goes on inside of them, uh, you know, unless you ask, but then you peel back the layers and you start to to understand what a cool town this is and to be able to be part of the fabric of the resurgence of the restaurant community here is something that we, we saw and we were like, Hey, this would be great. If we can get people, we can get traction with this and get more restaurants into town, you know, restaurants build communities. Yeah.
0: No, I I totally hear what you're saying, man. It's great stuff. And I think, you know, you said you wanted to change what restaurants were and that, that stigma that restaurants had about being very closed door and very secretive. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more with you that transparency and uh, just being just so genuine in everything you do and not having any secrets is the fastest way to develop trust and rapport, which is the next thing you said you had with yeah. your guests and people. And like, why does this, this beer cost $12? Well, because instead of, you know, cutting corners and just getting a beer in the house, I want to make sure we're, you know supporting our community and uh this is beer done right this isn't just a beer it's the beer to drink the beer that is you know is supporting someone else's passion and their dreams and uh that's i think i really do believe in my heart of hearts that restaurants are at the the leading edge of a change that has to happen in Mm. our society um and i i'm happy that i'm hearing those those same things coming from you so that's awesome stuff i'm I'm pumped up, man. This interview is getting off to a great uh, step here, a great direction. So uh, let's talk about your it factors, your your core value or, you know, your your habits, your characteristics, your traits, the things that you think most contributed to your success as a restaurant professional.
1: I think, you know, that, that it factor, it's kind of a, uh, it's not something I ever really think of myself having the it factor. You know, it's kind of a, uh, I think of it as kind of somewhat of an egotistical thing. But, you know, you obviously have to have certain... Um, characteristics uh, to be able to be successful in this business and I think every um, every step along the way you know working uh, you know playing college baseball, working in college baseball working in professional baseball th- these were all steps that um, maybe not directly you know they didn't teach me how to uh, you know pour the, a proper pint or how to um, you know how to uh, put plates down or how to know table numbers any of those things but they taught me, uh, you know, certainly work ethic. You know, that was from, you know, day one, uh, having to wash dishes for two hot summers in my dad's busy restaurant. You know, that mm-hmm. that's work ethic, you know, and that's, uh, it'll lead the groundwork for something where I never, um, you know, ne- nothing was never beneath me, you know, and nothing um you know a couple of weeks ago i watched dishes you know it's just one of those things that uh, i'm right there with you man yeah.
0: on, on saturday morning I, I grew up in the restaurant industry too saturday morning everybody was watching cartoons i was cutting 50 pounds of potatoes yeah. for home fries <laughs>
1: yeah and it's just it's something that's ingrained in you yeah. and, you know we uh i moved into a new house uh, a couple of weeks ago and and we had a manager got sick and you know we moved in in the morning and then i worked that night and it's just kind of one of those things where um you know, my, my wife thinks I'm, I'm crazy, but she understands why we do it. And it's, it's something that you have to have really thick skin. You know, you have to have um, a, a sort of, um, not stubbornness, but you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your product. Um, you know, when we first opened, uh, the first people that ever came through our restaurant, uh, the, the restaurant that we're in, it used to be a diner. And uh, so people were always scratching their heads as to why we didn't still serve breakfast. Because uh, we're just open for dinner. Mm-hmm. First people that ever came through my doors, first day we opened, sat down, asked for fish and chips, which we don't have. We just do burgers and sandwiches. And uh, and they walked out. And so that was the first experience, like, welcome to Warren. Uh, you know, <laughs> Good luck, kid. And, um, you know, right there, you, it would have been very easy to be like, all right, you know, we obviously have to have everything on the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, going back to, you know, restaurants changing and changing the status quo. You know, you can have a restaurant that just serves you know one product you know you see it a tremendous amount now with burgers you know you see oyster bars you see all these specialty places that instead of doing a, a variety of things mediocre they do one thing exceptionally well and that's what we want to do more than anything if you want pasta or if you want uh you know fish and chips or pizza you know don't come here you know there's a plenty of other great restaurants that serve that stuff but if you want a burger we should be your number one your your first thought into your your head and uh you know if you want uh just a good night out where you can get uh, uh have a great experience you know we you should think of us you know maybe it's not the burger but you love the music and the bartenders and the atmosphere that we create you might get a sandwich or a salad instead of the burger or you might just get wings or or whatever but you know it, it's it's changing and, and you know we can focus on on beer and burgers you know two mm-hmm. of our the things that are at the core of what we do the- instead of having to worry about that marinara sauce that's you know simmering on the on the stove yeah.
0: the words that are coming out of your mouth remind me so much of the words of somebody we should all listen to in that seth godin uh, his book he wrote called dip and he's talking about the significance of just like like you kind of mentioned before hanging in there and just you know being stubborn and knowing what you're trying to do and just to keep on showing up um just having that belief in what you're doing but also he says the, the significance of just doing one thing really well yeah. and focusing on that one thing because there's so much significance in being number one. Um, the, the, the difference between number one and number two is staggering. And if you can just do that one thing better than anybody else in your community, when they want that one thing, they're going to come to you. And I think so often people try to be so good or good at everything and have that huge menu that's just kind of like daunting, but just focus on that one thing and just crush it. You're, yeah. you're, and I think that's incredible advice right there we can all take away from this interview. So are there any other if factors that you think are just, you know, driving you in your success? I think, you know, I have
1: down uh, never being complacent. Um, it's something that pushes me, um, has pushed me my whole life, you know, mm-hmm. always, you know, working for that, that next, that next step, you know, paying the dues and doing what you have to do so that you can do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, every single day, you know, we look back at at the reports from yesterday, we look back at, at service notes, you know what things can we do better? You know, did we handle a certain situation with a guest the way that that we would want to handle it if we were sitting in that in that chair? And you know, how do we make these changes? And you know, complacency um, is something that I think is very dangerous in this industry. It's obviously incredibly competitive. Um, Absolutely. There's there's always a new place to opening. There's always uh, a new uh, certainly new burgers. You know places that every restaurant in america serves a burger on the menu
0: in the aviation industry we call that fat dumb and happy uh when you're just fat dumb and happy you're comfortable at the top that's when bad things happen that's when you miss things that's when the the person that's right in your heels surpasses you you can't be complacent i absolutely agree and there's one thing when i was reading about you one quote that really stuck out to me and uh it was from Brandon Hall of Next Restaurants. He wrote this this great article about you and what you're doing with your marketing. He says, uh, this is you saying this, um, he was running his restaurant like a business, not a hobby. But the core of this business is hospitality. And if people don't love the food or have a great experience with one of our staff members, nothing else matters. So would you say just your, your focus on hospitality is another if factor?
1: I think it's without a doubt you know hospitality Mm -hmm. is our number one goal every single day you Mm -hmm. know and if you don't have you know like the analytics that we have all these sorts of uh, metrics that we look at you know gross sales and and sales per guest and all these things you know none of those matter if you're not taking care of the person that's sitting in your restaurant Mm -hmm. and if we're not taking a a vested interest in in them being happy then they're never coming back and and you can look at those numbers and um they're kind of arbitrary you know they don't mean anything and you know this is the hospitality industry. You know, there's a lot of tools now to where you can be smarter and where you can run it more effectively. But at the core of it, we're still trying to make people happy every single day. You know, that's what it really comes down to. You know, Danny Meyer, uh, who's a huge you know uh, uh, idol of mine, um, has this great you know saying: is you know whatever, and this is kind of uh, the, the synopsis of it. But you know, whatever happened outside the doors um, throughout the day, you know, we can't control. But for, for the 45 minutes that you're in here dining with us we have a unique opportunity to be able to change the rest of your day. And if you, yeah. you come in here knowing you, know, you, know, you just had a really crummy day at work or you know, got into a fender bender or something, but you know that you're coming here, you, know, you should be happy about that. And how do we, we, take, a, uh, we take that very seriously? You know, If somebody comes in and they leave happier than when they came in, then we've done our job. Absolutely. And, you know, it's that easy and it's that hard too.
0: Now, I really wanted to point that quote out because, I mean, let's be honest, Sam. There's a lot of great freaking burgers out there. So. everywhere there's great burgers but you're the best burger in America and is it the best burger maybe but is it have something to do with the fact that when you people are eating your burger they just feel great because of how you're making them feel it's that hospitality that's really going to drive people over the edge and it doesn't matter how good your food is and i'm not saying you don't have the best burger but i'm saying I'm sure that hospitality and that attention to how people feel, making them feel warm and welcome is what has made you so successful. Has that been that edge that has really driven you to the point where you are? Am I out of place by saying that?
1: No, I think you're spot on. Um, you know, I think about it all the time. You know, we have people, you know, obviously there's other restaurants that start, you know, we put um, smoked Gouda and, <laughs> uh, and chomp sauce, which is our burger sauce. and make our own bacon. Yeah. And you see other restaurants start to do stuff like that. And, yeah. It's always something where you know imitation is the most sincere form of flattering. Uh, We never take offense to it. We're we're kind of
0: uh, the abundance mentality.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're proud that people, um, you know, that people think that that we're doing something right that they want to replicate. You know, there's no such thing as original idea. You know, we weren't Mm -hmm. the first people to think of putting, uh, you know, making our own bacon and putting it on a burger. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not a revolutionary idea. But what we have put together is, you know, the food is certainly part of it, but it's it's part of the bigger picture of. The whole experience, you know, the the lighting, the music, the, the greeting at the door, the hospitality that we provide at the table, um, the the type of food that we serve. You know, it's it's fun food. You know, yeah. we don't we don't take the food too. Ser- you know, we take ourselves very seriously. We take the business very seriously. But when you look at our menu, you know, we have a burger that's as big as your head. <laughs> it's not um, This sort of uh, stuffiness or air about us to where we're like, hey, we have the best burger in America. Uh, you know, it's it's an award that we're certainly uh, humbled by. Oh, you've
0: we- earned it, man. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you are, you've are you earned it, no doubt. Um, it's great stuff. We're at 20 minutes. We're still on the it factor, which is just a sign that I'm loving this interview and letting it go uh, a little longer than I usually do. Uh, we have to keep going. Are there any other it factors you just want to slam on us real quick before we move on to your failure? Yeah, you
1: know, I think it's, um, you know, I mean, the hospitality one, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's ingrained in you, you know, from, from a young age, it's been ingrained in me. And in the more, you know, we talk to our servers all the time about it. We talk to our bartenders all the time about it. If you're not so concerned about, about the monetary gain that you get from serving that table, if you're more concerned about recommending that great beer or recommending that the perfect burger for that person that really likes something that's, that's spicy or, or smoky or uh, vegetarian, whatever it is, if you create that relationship you know, you've not only done yourself a service, you've done the restaurant a service. Mm-hmm. And and you now, next time that person comes in, they recommend or they want you they want to sit in your section. And and then you know you, you gain their trust even more. And, and those sort of things, you know, that over the, the monetary gain, sure, that certainly comes with it. But if you focus more on hospitality first, that
0: will come tenfold. I totally I, I totally agree with you, man. Awesome stuff. So we can learn a lot from successes and these if factors, but I think what we learn in life or when we learn in life is when we hit those failures and we just fall hard on our ass. So tell me about a time, Sam, where you fell hard on your ass and tell me what you learned from that failure. It can be in the restaurant industry. It can be in life. Just tell me about a failure and the life lesson you took away from that failure.
1: Yeah, I thought a lot about this question. And, uh, (laughs) you know, there's been certainly, you know, the ebb and flow of the restaurant business throughout two and a half years. There's certainly uh you know there's peaks and valleys mm-hmm. and you know peaks um you know you never look at the peaks as i think as proud um or or at the same way that you look at the valleys and, and when you're down and you know we've been very fortunate to to not have anything that's just like a a total like you know hit the reset button and, and start over um you know, we work incredibly hard to, to make sure that doesn't happen. Instead of having, you know, the peaks and valleys be huge, you know, we kind of try to stay, you know, right in the middle and, and not overreact and not underreact to anything that we get. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, we, we were kind of, uh, you know, when we opened up, the, the burger um, industry was just kind of on the cusp of exploding. And um, so three days after we opened, we were reached out to by uh, a TV station in Boston to do this, this show called Phantom Gourmet. And, um, I got the call and I was like, I was like, you know, I don't even have like a dishwasher for tomorrow night. Like we've been open for three days. Like we're still trying to figure this thing out here. No way in hell we're going to be on, uh, you know, TV up in Boston. Like it's just, it wouldn't be a good idea. So, uh, against our better judgment, we were like, yeah, come on down. Um, so, you know, like a month or two after we opened, we were on TV, um, talking about, you know, the, the clips on YouTube, you can see it. I, I have... (laughs) more blonde hair i got way more gray hair now
0: (laughs) i was watching that video just before this this interview so it's funny because i know what you're talking about okay keep going (laughs) so
1: we um so we're like all right you know we'll we'll see what happens um it aired like in november so we had been open for about four months five months and um it was just like we were shot out of a a cannon And, and um we didn't really you know this is my first restaurant um, you know, we didn't know how to handle hour and a half wait times. We didn't know how to, ha- how, to respond to people who had to wait that long, who had driven from Worcester, which is like an hour and 15 hour and 20 minutes away from here. Mm-hmm. So, so from the get, you know, we didn't have that, that time when a restaurant opens, where you get, you really get your legs underneath you and you start to understand, okay, these are things that we can do, uh, you know, even just seatings in the dining room, you know, how do we, uh, maximize our seating? How do we do all these sorts of things? Um, so it was really, um, kind of flying by the seat of our pants for, for a little while to see like, okay, you know, we can't make, you know, we can't take a, we don't have any like slower days where we can tinker with things or, or make things better. So it was challenging for us because we set the expectation so high from
0: the get-go. So, and I'm oh, sorry. So was it a failure though? I mean, I, cause honestly, I'm listening to you talk. It's a, it's a challenge. You know, it, it, the failures, you know,
1: I, I think failures are, um, you know, I view certain things as, as failures that aren't really, um, You know, I take everything, like I said, about complacency. You know, I I look at everything under a microscope. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, have we failed now? You know, um, I've been extremely, extremely lucky to not, in two and a half years, um, really have a story for that. You know, but there's been situations, you know, in my life, um, you know, playing sports, you know, is like the ultimate failure. I played baseball. You know, if you fail seven out of ten times, you're you're in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those things um, really... I think laid the groundwork for being able to, to be resilient and being able to, you know, look at things through a different lens and being like, all right, you know, this isn't that bad. You know, it's, um, it's really, it's shaped me as, um, as, as an owner of a restaurant, as a manager of, of 20 employees, as, um, you know, just really as a person, you know, you, you work for these things your whole life to, um, you know, to attain success. Um, there's certainly failure along the way, but it kind of, uh, you get that scar tissue and, and you get stronger. And we, uh,
0: so, you know, so what was uh, the, the biggest lesson, Sam, if you could just uh, narrow it down to the biggest lesson that you took from this, this experience, the, the challenge I looked at it as
1: the career challenge, you know, it's yeah. how, how do we meet expectations? How do we train our staff? Yeah. You know, we have a target on our back. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we meet that expectation and exceed it every single day? Yes. and that's and that's complacent. You know, it's, that's never being complacent. That's pushing. I
0: mean, were, did you get bad reviews because you, maybe you weren't ready? Did something bad come of this experience? Or were um, people like maybe you were?
1: There were people that you know would would gripe about you know how small our parking lot is oh, or how okay. small the restaurant is or the fact that like I didn't knock down a wall and put in fifty extra seats. Like just stuff like yeah, uh, that and just, just scratch your head. Like you know, I never anticipated. You know, <laughs> you know how said something that. about
0: wait times, too. I mean, how did you handle the wait times? How did you adapt? What things were you implementing to to be able to handle that influx? Were you yeah. reacting or were you just kind of saying, shit, this sucks. We're kind of screwed. And did you just keep on going? Or did you make something change? Well, we,
1: we, yeah, we um, we were almost as hard as it was to be proactive in in the midst of it. You know, when we first opened, we didn't have a host. Mm. Uh, you know, we didn't have somebody that took, <laughs> that took uh, you know, names and, and wait times um we have one every single day now who, who's our manager and ma- really you know you have to manage that list you have to understand the ebbs and flows of the restaurant and so when we first opened that was i mean i didn't have a budget for for a host you know we were just like all right uh you know we can seat you here we can seat you there you know when you start have to manage you know 45 50 people on wait. Mm-hmm. um you know that's a challenge especially when you're you're still tinkering with uh Everything else that's opening up a restaurant in the first year. Were so, there any
0: tools that you use? I mean, what what was it? What action did you take to handle that challenge? We kind of took
1: a step back and um, and really tried to understand what we were what we were trying to do. You know, it would have been easy to get in as many people as we can and turn the tables as fast as we can and really dilute the experience. Uh, we did the opposite of that. We I believed. You know, hey, this person's driving an hour and a half to dine with us. Mm-hmm. If they want to sit down for an extra 15 minutes and have an extra beer, yeah, absolutely. And that's where the hospitality comes into it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where we've gained a lot of really great loyal, uh, you know, repeat guests. Is you know, we don't we take we don't take it for granted. You know,
0: yeah.
1: every single time they come in could be their last time. You that's, know,
0: that's what I was looking for. That's the nugget that I'm looking for. Is that yeah. you know, I think a lot of restaurants when they open. Um, they get that surplus – most all restaurants, when they open, they get that surplus of just that charge of people coming to check it out. And yeah. they, it's crazy. Everyone's running around like a chicken with their head cut off. And they don't just take the time to say, stop, slow down. Let's do this right. Let's yeah. pay attention to the customer because now it's easy. This is like shooting fish in a barrel. Everybody wants to check us out. Yeah. But we need to make sure that we do it right so they keep on coming back. And I think that's a great takeaway. And um, great story – I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept your answer, but I'm gonna say this wasn't a failure, <laughs> because I think you handled it really well. And one of the lessons I've learned is just to say yes, because so many opportunities can come from just saying yes. And it sounds like that's what you did. And I, I bet, I mean, it was rough and tough, but you came out the other end. You, you did the right things. You made changes that needed to be made. And if you just say yes and just start rolling with the punches and start, you know. Changing as you go, good things will happen. And I, I hear that happening in the story. So great stuff. We've crushed the first half of this interview. We're at a half hour. This is going to go long, but that's okay because you're dropping gold on us. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Look out because Hot Schedules has some new tools that will make you and your restaurants unstoppable. We are all aware that this is a dollar and cents business. What's hard these days is making sense of your data so that you can find an extra nickel on every napkin or another dime on every dessert. Hot Schedule's reveal is going to solve that. The new mobile app is pretty much an operator's dream. Imagine an app that can tell you what your sales are for that day part or that the weather is showing rain and sales are trending low. You could anticipate a change in labor and message your employees before they come in. If you want to learn more about how to get your restaurant's data in your pocket in real time using Hot Schedules Reveal, get a demo, or talk about pricing, go to go.hotschedules.com unstoppable. That's go.hotschedules.com unstoppable. One more time, go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable. All right, we are back. And the first question I have for you, Sam, is what advice do you have uh, for getting that initial capital or for getting started? Anything you did that you would recommend that we do when we're first opening our restaurant?
1: Uh, I think, you know, I had the unique opportunity to have, uh, you know, family in the industry. And, you know, friends and family is always the best way to to go for your first restaurant, to Mm -hmm. go to the SBA um, with no restaurant experience, (laughs) uh, very little collateral, if any. you know the restaurant industry. Not many people are, are like chomping at the bit to to invest in it just because it's so, it's so risky. Yeah. Uh, so you know, friends and family is certainly the the way to go. Um, if you don't have that that opportunity, there are programs out there where you know there's alternative lending. Um, you know, there's all these programs now. I mean, Kickstarter mm-hmm. is is becoming a huge um, you know independent restaurant source for for funding. You know, maybe just getting to that collateral to where you can get the SBA loan. So um, it's tough. It's not unheard of, but, you know, friends and family is is certainly number one. Um, if you can scrape up, you know, a few bucks working an extra job or, or doing something, you know, really, you know, if it's your passion and it's something that you really have a strong desire to do, um, there's ways to do it. You know, don't always think inside the box. There's a lot of other, uh, you know, unconventional ways with all the programs out there now and, and, you know, picking up an extra job and just putting the money under your mattress and, and you know, saving. You know, you don't have to open up a restaurant today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can kind of take your time and and be uh, methodical and, and do your research. That way, when you dump, you know, two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars into a space, uh, you know, you're not out in, in six months. You really know the industry and you know what you're getting into.
0: And one thing I noticed about your your space is it isn't a very. It's not a gigantic space. I mean, was no, that intentional? Small. Did you start was, small on purpose? It was. Yeah.
1: I mean, being my first restaurant, you know. And even you see trends now, you know, no no restaurant that is either in Bon Appetit or Food and Wine, you know, best restaurants, they're not 200 seats. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're right around that 50-seat mark. We're at 38. Um, in the summertime, we have a patio that goes to 56. So being 38 seats, it was something that no matter where I stood in the restaurant, I could see every table. I could see every guest's face. And that's been really, I, I think, a critical part of our success is, you know, I, I don't try to be here every night. I don't want people to be like – hey, Sam's out there tonight, uh, you know, the beer wasn't as good or, um, you know, person X wasn't cooking, you know, it, it, everything's consistent. And, uh, you know, being a small restaurant, obviously lower overhead, uh, lower headaches. Um,
0: Do you have visions for uh, expanding or growing your space?
1: Um, we're – short answers. is no. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's – the patio is in the summertime. It's a great extra 16 seats. Um, we really like the intimacy, the intimacy of it. hmm um, it allows us to really focus on what we, you know, the hospitality. Uh, to focus on really just serving incredible food and, and beer. And I think when you get bigger, um, you lose that. You know, mm-hmm. the servers can't spend as much time with the table because they have six other tables they have to go to and, and do, try and do the same process with that table and, and be hospitable. And, and I think that you lose that when you go to bigger places. And I agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, even go my, my wife and I go to small restaurants all the time, and it's
0: it's just such a better
1: experience
0: totally more cozy. I totally agree with you, man. Awesome stuff. So, um, this industry, nobody will argue that it's extremely dependent on people. So what's your advice on people, hiring them, retaining them, um, drop some nuggets of knowledge on us about people, man.
1: So over two and a half years, um, you know, just in the business, you know, we've hired a lot of people and and through that, um, we've taken different approaches to it. And for the last year and a half, um, almost two years, you know, for the first six months that we were open, um, it was kind of just get people in here and, and, and try and do our thing. Um, we have the luxury now of, of being pretty selective. And what we look for in people is look for people that have that character over the technical skill. You know, we want somebody that, um, maybe they never served a day in their life, but they're incredibly passionate about hospitality or beer Or food or they just have that that sort of uh great personality that the second they walk through the door for the interview you're like, yes. You know, I mean we we now So would you you say
0: you trust your gut a lot of the time? Like are you just going with your gut? Going with gut versus going
1: with like pedigree. You know, if somebody's worked at uh, you know, fifteen restaurants um and but they're kind of uh they don't have much of a personality. We'd rather go with somebody that has a great personality, maybe doesn't have the the experience that this person has, but what that allows us to do is, you know, we can train you to be a great bartender or a great cook or a great dishwasher or server. It's really hard to train somebody to be uh, awesome. you know, passionate about anything. <laughs> you know, and, and a lot of times what we ask people in interviews is, you know, what, you know, are you a, uh, an avid hiker? Or, you know, do you have a hobby? Or, you know, what do you do in your spare time? And that's pretty indicative of, of the type of character that they are. If they're passionate about something, um, that shows us that they can at least be passionate you know, they can apply that same sort of passion to something else if we can yeah. get
0: the juices flowing. So I love that you're yeah. going here, Sam. I really do because you see it all the time. People with your, if you're like scanning through Craigslist, everyone's like looking for experience. Experience is a must, and experience, experience, experience. It doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like you, you need to you need to invest in people and growing people and looking for those little characteristics, those, that character, like you said. And, um, it's funny cause you always hear people, it, it, they say it's so hard to find other people and it's so far, hard to find good help, but nobody is willing to put that time and that investment into, or being selective. They just, you know, they're not, they might be in a spot and somebody comes in the door, they got a pulse and they're like, all right, yeah. you got a job. Well, shame on you, man. Yeah. Like you're lowering the standard. How, how do you expect to attract, attract greatness? If you won't, have a standard of greatness exactly um,
1: we have a uh on my on my computer in my office i there's a uh, post-it that says hire hard train easy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um it's another mantra you could put that at the top Yeah, too. i'm it is going you,
0: man hire hard so, train easy you got it
1: and and we've taken that approach for for the better part of two years and you know working you know we might have you know 15 mm-hmm. interviews um but if we work harder during those interviews to vet these people then the training process, sailing, dude. <laughs> and they're, they're already passionate. They're already psyched to be working here. They love what we do. They love the culture. That is so much easier. And, and it, it requires a little bit more time doing interviews and stuff, but you know, we're spending more time with these people than, than I am with my wife mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and other people too, you know, they're spending more time with us each week than they are with their friends and family. So we want to surround ourselves with people that not only we think are, are great, um, you know, servers or bartenders, but people that are great people and people that we want to spend, you know, 80 hours a week with. Um, so it my. makes it makes the whole culture so much better. Everybody's helping each other out. And it's really stuff, that's, that sort of stuff is stuff that cannot be taught. You either have it or you don't. And, and we're really lucky to have a staff that, that all has it.
0: Right on, man. Great stuff. So what's another challenge? I mean, we already talked about people and that's definitely a challenge in this industry that you're handling extremely well, but what's another challenge that you see coming down the barrel? Something that you, that has your attention that you're preparing for or has your concern share it with us. I mean, the labor
1: market, uh, for the restaurant business is is atrocious. Um, I'm on the board of directors for the hospitality association here in Rhode Island. And it's something that we talk about every day, um, or, or every meeting, um, you know, getting, qualified candidates who who show up um who have like i said that passion um who are talented it's really hard to find you know uh, i think when you know with the recession there were people getting out of the restaurant business because you know you don't get 401ks you don't get benefits you don't get all these things that these people depended on for um or or when the money was good you know they could afford those extra benefits but you saw a lot of people get out of it get into more corporate stuff where there's um those benefits like we spoke about so there's not a, a tremendously deep talent pool nationwide, not just not just Rhode Island. So,
0: what are you doing, Sam, to tackle that issue? What, what how uh, are you preparing? Like, what are you on, doing on,
1: on the statewide level? Um, we're working the the education foundation that I'm on the board for. Um, we're working towards getting. They just got a grant actually a couple of weeks ago from the state of Rhode Island to start implementing training for for people that want to get into it that don't have that technical skill. Mm-hmm. They might be great people. They just don't know how to. Uh, how to properly braise something or how to smoke or how to cure. Um, So Rhode Island's being proactive and training these people so that we have an influx of people um, versus just being idle and just kind of, you know, sitting on our hands and saying, you know, there's there's no – nobody wants to work out there. There are people that want to work. It's just finding people that fit what we're looking for. And, you know, whether that's going to, you know, going through people that we know or, you know, Craigslist is obviously – kind of the status quo for for finding restaurant jobs around here, but thinking outside the box a little bit and going on different social media platforms and announcing it and finding people that may not be um, actively looking for something, but they're like, hey, like Chomp's looking for, uh, you know, a a bartender or whatever. Um, You know, I love going there. It would be really cool to work there. So you find people that may not um, really be looking, but, you know, because of the culture that we've built here, it's a little bit easier for us to attract people that that share the same values because they've d- either dined with us before or they've heard the reputation that we have or they've seen us on t v or um you know listen to us on stuff like this so it's it's a different approach you know we're not just uh you know looking for bodies we're looking for people that that really share the same sort of uh views towards hospitality in this industry like like we do so it's a little bit harder to do that um you know like i said we're we're thinking of unconventional ways to bring people in um you know, people that know people, you know, it's obviously a very small
0: industry. What's one unconventional way that most people might not think of that you can share this? Uh,
1: unconven- the most unconventional way um, that, that we, let's see here. That's a good question. <laughs> um, you know, we've had people come in that, you know, first time they eat here, um, they're hooked and they're like, hey, if you ever have a job, uh, I'd love to be you know, a part of what you're doing. Uh-huh. Um, we've hired people like that. Actually, my manager, um, Jenny, she came in here like six or seven times begging for a job before I finally gave it to her um, just because, you know, she, she made a position. You know, mm-hmm. she made herself. Uh, she had enough passion for what we were doing. She loved the concept so much. She got to know us a little bit. She was like, I got to be a part of this thing. And that goes back to the hospitality. You know, it, it kind of comes full circle. You know, if we treat people... If we treat our guests like we treat our you know we, we I put my employees before I put my guests you know if I treat my employees well they 're going to treat our guests well mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the opposite and and that resonates with a lot of people too because in the restaurant industry, not many restaurants do that you know they'll uh, they 'll throw the employee under the bus um, to save face for the guests that you know got the uh, you know extra well done burger um, awesome man. You know, so it's it there's there's a lot of stories like that you know it, it's finding um you know, uh, gosh. Uh, I mean, we found people on Instagram. We found people on.
0: <laughs> I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, man. It's just yeah. there, there are people everywhere, and just keep your eyes and ears open because you never know where that gem's going to be hiding. On always yeah. just be receptive to look for new talent. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, so here's a new question that I'm really excited about. I I got this question from the last question I asked, which is what's one question I should ask? And one <clears> question <throat> that comes up all the time is how do you balance? Work in life, like w- how do you manage all that because it's you have to have that balance you yeah. can 't let your personal life go to crap, so what do you do to make sure you, you get that balance
1: uh, well i'm an early riser. Um, not too many people in the restaurant industry you know wake up at six o'clock in the morning, but um
0: what time do you go to bed
1: uh, uh, I'm lucky that I have uh, staff that take care of the <laughs> restaurant now um, so i 'm in bed by uh, you know, keep us between us between like nine and, and 10 o'clock at night. And that's it's, totally, well, totally, it's going to be disseminated out there. I'm but, not
0: going to keep it between us. Cause that's so it, important, man. Like, and I think that if you do your job, right. And you train your people, you give them the tools, the education to be able to close a restaurant without you there. Yeah. You need to be at bed or in bed by nine or 10 o'clock at night because rest is so important And getting up early before, while everyone's still in bed. You can get so much done, man. That's yeah. incredible advice. It,
1: it's really, it's taking, you know, I mean the restaurant industry has, you know, everybody's a a creature of the night and and they wake up at uh, noon, one o'clock, they go in for their shift at four, they stay up till three. Um, You know, you look at any other industry across the world and the CEO is getting up at at 6am and, um, you know, getting 90% of his stuff done before anybody else gets up. And that's kind of the, that's the approach I take, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm answering emails at seven o'clock in the morning.
0: So what do you get done before 10 o'clock? How many things between six and 10? Like what's your, what's your morning ritual look like?
1: Uh, go to the gym, um, read emails, uh, assess what I need to do that day. You have to be accessible, you know, all day. And, and when you're in the restaurant, everybody wants to talk to you about, um, either a new product or, or guests want to, you know, uh, talk to you about, about the restaurant or, or get to know me more or all these things. So if you're juggling all of that on top of all the other responsibilities that you have as a restaurant owner, you know, paying your bills and, and, uh, you know, doing your marketing campaigns and all these things. You know, there's just not enough time, you know, and, and you'll burn out really quick. So, you know, I go into my office, you know, go to the gym, you know, eat some breakfast, get some coffee, go to my office and sit undisturbed for, you know, three, four hours and, you know, think of marketing campaigns, you know, do our, uh, you know, go into QuickBooks, look at our reports, analyze that, set up a game plan for, you um, you know, a tap takeover that we're doing next week or plan
0: work, work your plan. Yeah. And when you have the time in the morning to really think and be intentional and, and be proactive and not reactive, man, and things are going to change. Yeah. Um, and when you wake up in the morning and you provide that time to really plan through your day, it's so impactful. So awesome stuff. So I've got to ask, I and mean, I can tell you're an educated dude, um, you must have read a few books. So what are some must reads? some, I mean, you already mentioned Daymeyer. I know you must have crushed that book. Yeah. Uh, what are some books that are just must reads for anybody in this industry to just really take themselves to the next level?
1: Yeah. I mean, I read a lot of books, um, that don't necessarily have to do with hospitality, but you know, um, I mean, obviously another one of the books in the hospitality you know industry that I think everybody should read is service excellence by Charlie Trotter. Mm. Um, it, it's a great book. It's, you know, you can take nuggets of it. You know, we don't take uh, that whole book and apply it to our burger and sandwich restaurant. But there's a lot of things in there that that just kind of um, resonate with you. You know, it's about all his, all his chefs are clean cut and, and they're all professional. It's not just one guy and everybody else is kind of, everybody takes their job incredibly seriously. Whether you're the sous chef, whether you're the, the executive sous, you know, chef de cuisine or, or the dishwasher, everybody takes uh, their job incredibly seriously. Seriously mm-hmm. and you know at at his restaurants it's obviously a little bit more fine dining than what we're doing mm-hmm. but there's a lot of principles that you can apply and, and just being passionate about what you're doing no matter what it is you know if you're being um, you know whether it's speaking passionately about your your burgers or sandwiches or, or your beer you know it's it's having that education and being the, the best that you can be at your respective craft and you know you might not think it's something that is pertinent but you know you you don't maybe not understand the value that you're providing to the guest, but you know that relationship that we're creating that we're always talking about. Um, it goes a long way.
0: So, and- I, I haven't read that book, Sam. Um, in that book, is is uh, this this uh, the, the word that keeps coming to my mind is culture? Is is he suggesting that you, the owner, the executive chef, or whatever you you are, you set that tone? Is sure. that where is that where the this? Yeah.
1: I mean, it starts at the top, you know, the the work ethic that he has or that that he had um, was it it resonated all the way down to to the dishwasher. And, you know, Danny Meyer in his book, you know, instead of, um, you know, him being at the top and everybody else being at the bottom, it's the opposite. That's the same way that I am here. It's you know, everything kind of funnels down to me, Um, you know, kind of the buck stops here. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of it's a different approaches to to looking at the restaurant industry. Um, another book that I really like that just kind of makes you think is, um, the the book by the founder of Tom's, uh, Blake Mykowski. Yes. um, to start something that matters. Um, it doesn't really have a, you know, I mean, it obviously has a direct correlation because, you know, we're, we're providing, um, a, a service much like he is, but it just kind of makes you, um, it grounds you a little bit. It makes you think a little bit differently in terms of generosity. You know, we, you know, hospitality, a lot of it is being generous and, and giving, um, you know, we donate gift cards, we donate, um, food, we donate, you know, all these sorts of things that sure, there's not a, a direct monetary gain that you get from that goodwill, but it's, it's something that if that's part of your culture and that's at the core of your business, then, then business comes in because of that. You know, if you give back to the community, if you do all these sorts of things, you know, and that's not a restaurant book, you know, it's a book about, uh, his business model of, of selling one pair of shoes and, and giving it an a pair to somebody in need in a third world country, um, but looking at it and being like, oh wow, this is—he's you know, built a multi-million dollar company by doing something that he's more focused on, on the giving aspect of it than the, the profits. Obviously, mm-hmm. those are coming now, but it's—it's it's like we talk about here. It's like be more focused on the hospitality portion of it, and, and everything else will come. As opposed to being uh, sort of this capitalist and, and trying to make the most money that you can. And everything else will kind of come just because you're you're the best. Um, You know, we don't think that way.
0: Mm -hmm. I I, couldn't agree with you more. And I, in the my heart, like in in my gut, what's should I be saying this like? There's a part of me that just wants to give away like at least half of everything that I can make through this podcast. And the reason why I haven't done it is because I haven't been making much at all really yet because still, we're still so young. But I, I'm so behind that thought process of if you exist to do good, if you exist to, to be here to make other people's dreams come true or to just make other people happy and to not be... Uh, a servant for yourself but a servant for others it always works out in the end and when you're on your deathbed and you're laying there and you look back at your life and you're like oh I have all these cars and these beautiful homes or I've been able to help so many people and I've done all the like my life my existence has done this to help so many people Like, imagine that gratification of yep. just knowing that you, you were more than just fancy things but you were your life existed to help others like that's You know, that's just so, I don't know, just so fulfilling to me. So I totally am behind what you're saying.
1: And there's like, there's so many examples of stuff that we've done here and not to toot our own horn, but, you know, just these little things that, you know, it's like, wow, like, you know, you overhear that it's somebody's birthday when they walk in and and we don't have open table. We don't take reservations. So it's hard to really compile all of this information that we have on on guests um, on a personal level, like what their birthday is and all these sorts of things. But we teach our staff to. To pick up on these subtleties you know if somebody asks for the bathroom is it's pretty indicative that they've never been here before Mm -hmm. you know so how do we how do we make that experience for them you know extraordinary Mm -hmm. and you know if it's somebody's birthday you know do we send them a complimentary you know uh plate of frickles which are our fried pickles or uh you know we just overheard that a couple just bought a house you know let's send them a bottle of of beer or or champagne or something like that this is little things that to us, you know, and it doesn't. Um, sure, there's a monetary uh, loss, I guess, for that if you looked at it on the books. But to us, it's a gain, and it's something that um, is really at the core of what we do, and it helps form the culture that we have. Because when our our servers and bartenders see us do something like that, they're like, "Wow, like this isn't just a uh, a for profit business." You know, we're we're in it, um, hopefully for the long haul, and you do it by providing you know, hospitality like that.
0: Absolutely. And you can take that hospitality that you're giving towards your guests and apply that same philosophy to your employees. Like what can I do to make, to make my employees' lives better? Can I help them get to that next level? Can I help connect them with somebody I know? Maybe they want to open their own restaurant. Maybe I can invest in them and have them come in under our umbrella and be a partner and uh, be that person that gives them the capital to get started with the same culture that we have and to really grow laterally, kind of like, you know, Zingerman's did over in Ann Arbor, like that mentality of lateral growth and just fulfilling other people's dreams. So awesome stuff. Are there any other books you want to recommend before we move on?
1: Uh, Um. You know, there's a lot of great websites out there. Um, you know, I I read Inc. all the time. I read as much restaurant stuff as I do this general business um, entrepreneurial stuff. And there's a correlation between um, a lot of what people do in other industries and what we do. You know, it's at the core of it. It's a business. Mm-hmm. And if we can do something, if we can pick up on, um, you know, the way that uh, something that Zappos does or, or Amazon does for their employees, um, you know, how do we? How can we tailor? that to to what we do you know how can we give back to our employees like that and make them uh you know enjoy working here more than they do so um you know take it all in you know i'm always trying to learn something new always reading something always whether it's a magazine a a book uh, a website listening to a podcast um listening or watching youtube videos on on people that i admire um just how they speak about the industry how they you know ted talks i love ted talks i'm I'm gonna put a
0: link what's your favorite ted talks i'm gonna link to it in the show notes
1: Uh, Start with why is definitely.
0: Oh, Simon Sinek, this book is awesome.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's definitely my favorite one. And it's something that really, when we first opened, uh, it really got me thinking in as to, you know, why why the heck am I doing this? You know, like, why am I, you know, obviously the what is the burgers and sandwiches and beer. Um, you know, the how we do it is, you know, it's from scratch. But when you can tell it the other way, it's so much more compelling. It's, and it, it just sings it,
0: with people. People buy people buy why. You know, yeah. they, they want to know that there's so much psychographics involved in this industry about how people feel when they're spending their money. And, you know, it's just those little things that – the whys that resonate with people and yeah. yourself, really – awesome stuff we have to move on because we're already almost at an hour (laughs) and we still have some questions we're going to crush but I just don't want to stop you I'm having too much fun so um, let's talk about technology and this is where I'm really excited because I really feel like you're a next gen owner you really take non-traditional approaches to do things extremely well so uh, it's been said that Chomp has been built on a foundation of analytics what is meant by that? So,
1: you know, we use uh, a company called Swipely. Um, they're a credit card processing company based out of uh, Providence, which is about like 20 minutes from here. Um, but what they've been able to do is, is harness the data that is credit card processing and, and really making your POS system more of an um, informative tool, you know, operations and marketing um, than just swiping a card and not getting any data from it. You know, mm-hmm. it was a no-brainer for me when I first opened, um, you know, working in baseball, um i I saw the value of analytics you know obviously it was a different application but
0: numbers are numbers man numbers
1: are numbers And, and and you can trust your gut um as much as you want but if you can back it up with analytics it's so much easier to to sleep at night it's so much easier to um to really make more informed decisions based on you know prior experience and you know we look at it all the time you know we have um you know a couple of weeks ago we were like oh you know it's kind of a, a below average tuesday i felt like but this this tuesday last year it was the same exact day it was the weather was more or less the same um all these things were the same but in my my gut i was like oh, I kind of stunk but you look back at the analytics and you're like all right we did the same amount we're good you know it's it's kind of peace of mind mm-hmm. um also manipulating those analytics to understand you know how is our new versus repeat business going you know our our repeats a guest spending more money than our new guests, you know, how do we develop that relationship? You know, if we develop that re- relationship more and if we can encourage our, our servers to to upsell for that extra beer, you know, we should definitely, our repeat business should definitely be spending more money than our new business, you know, because of that, that familiarity and, and that relationship that we build that trust, um, you know, looking at days of the week, looking at day parts, looking at different hours, you know, understanding if, all right, do we need an extra server here? Do we need an extra, Bartender here, um, your gut can tell you one thing, but when you can back it up with analytics, it's so much easier.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Swipely is one of those, those services that are out there uh, that gets me really excited. Uh, they're one of my affiliates awesome company. I couldn't be more happy to be affiliated with such a company like Swipely. And there's a great article that you have uh, that where you worked with Brandon Hall where it really just breaks down. I'll link to that article, Next Restaurants, uh, where you, you talk about Swipely and all the benefits and the features that come with it. And when I think of Swipely, uh, I, you know, the way I describe it to people This is an industry of details and numbers, right? And what it will do is it will bring you down. It's a microscope, man. Like, it brings you right down to the finest little details that you would never see when you're up at 30,000 feet. It brings you down to, like, a half inch (laughs) right over what's going on. And it's – not only does it do that, but it it just makes it so easy to read. It it makes it – it conveys information so seamlessly and so easily. Uh, It just – all that time, if you were to be sifling through that information through your POS, it would take hours. Yeah. But you can literally do it in just seconds um, and be done and have such a big picture of what's going on in your business.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, every morning there's an email that's sent, it's generated from our, our sales the night before of just a quick snapshot of the day. And it's, it's so easy to wake up, um, to look at it and be like, all right, you know, we're, um, you know, we're right where we wanted to be that day. And then, then it's like, oh, okay, who came in? And, you know, how much did they spend and what did they order? and Who did they eat with? And when's the last time they were in? And you can see what they ordered last time. You know, mm-hmm. do they always get the house burger? Do they always get a Lagunitas IPA? Um, those things help us be better informed when we make menu changes. You know, if there's a lot of people that, you know, order um, a dish that, that we think is kind of, it's either not food cost beneficial or it's just something that we want to change, we'll look at this. we'll look at our analytics and say, all right, it's bringing back people. You know, they order it. You know, every other time that they come in, you know, we can't take it off the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, versus just, you know, back, uh, you know, even as much as a couple of years ago, it, it was gut. You know, it was like, hey, I don't feel like this is going well. Let's look at Micros or, or Posi Touch or or Squirrel or, or whatever it is. And it's like, hey, we sold forty four of them or, or whatever it is, and um, it, it's so much more informed. It makes the decision process a lot quicker because you can be like, all right, my gut's this. The analytics are this the decision is is this Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a seamless um process it makes it incredibly you know we're always pressed for time so to to drag out a a decision like that it just makes it so much easier Absolutely.
0: And like I said, I have partnered up with Swipely. So if you are interested in learning more in this service, please let me know. I will connect you with the right people. Head over to the show notes, restaurantunstoppable.com slash 197. This is episode 197. You'll find all the links right there. Great tool. Uh, Definitely something you should look into if you're not already using it. So... Uh, with all the knowledge you have, everything that you've gained to this point, if you could go back in time and give one piece of, bi- of business advice to your, your past self when you're maybe just getting started, what would that business advice be?
1: You know, one, I mean, we always get asked all the time, You know, why didn't we go into a bigger space? Um, and, and obviously that answer, it, it's real easy. It's it my first restaurant and there's no way in hell anybody would ever expect to be as busy as we are or as popular as we are. Having said that, if there's opportunities to – you know, what could we have done when we first opened? You know, how, could we have opened up the patio uh, the first summer we were open instead of the second summer? You know, what would that have done? Also, you know, just really being um, meticulous about this, the procedures that we have now and, and the service standards and all those sorts of things that you, that you get after, you know, two and a half years of doing it. Um, if we had those in place from day one, I feel like it would just be a much more seamless process. So really doing your due diligence with that stuff and really th- trying to think of as much as you can um, before you go into it uh, it makes it a lot easier. And when you get those service standards and procedures in place, it makes the owner's life that much easier because there's a a certain sequence of events that have to happen before, um, you know, before appetizers are brought out or, you know, all these things that used to just verbalize to people. Now it's on paper. Everybody that's trained knows that's the expectation. So I would definitely do that. I would try to get more sleep. Um, (laughs) when, when we first opened, uh, you know, open and close every single day for six months. And, um, it's it, crucial, it was, man. yeah, but it's it, exactly, it, it's crucial. And I wouldn't do it any other way. If I was to ever open up another restaurant, I'd do it the same exact way. Um, People so laugh at
0: me when I, when I say I get my eight hours every day, yeah. like, can you want to work in the restaurant business? I'm like, yeah, but I I'm, I'm going to get my eight hours. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And, you know, just knowing and, you know, balancing that work and life, um, you know, you have to, find something whether it's going to the gym in the morning or or going for a bike ride or something to clear your head because it consumes you. You know, my Mm -hmm. phone is going off. My phone's gone off 15, 20 times since, you know, we've been talking. Uh, So you need some time to just kind of disconnect from all of that. And and whether that's in the morning or whether it's at night or whether it's in the middle of the day when you go get lunch or something like that, you need to have that balance because otherwise you get burnt. I mean, I've I've been there. You know, you get so burnt out that it's hard to focus on anything. Mm -hmm. That's when there's an opportunity for, for something to slip up, and, and that's something that can't happen. And, and luckily my wife's a psychologist. Um, so she's always pretty, uh, aware of what these things are going on. So I have a good person in my corner. Um, but you know, just really, you know, taking care of yourself and, and knowing that, um, you know, you're no good to anybody when you're, when you're sick and you're no good to anybody when you can't perform at the level that you need to, when you're first opening up a restaurant, it's so important. Absolutely. So whether, Whether it's sleeping in a little bit more or or not going out for that drink after work, um, you know, those are things that are temptations that are there every single day. But you have to choose, like, okay, am I in this, you know, for for the social aspect of it or am I in it because I want to run a sustainable business and and be successful? And that's a decision I made at at a very early stage in this thing, even before we opened. I was like, this is a business, you know, this is, it happens to be the restaurant business, but I'm still going to run it and I'm still going to operate the same way.
0: What's one question I could have asked you Sam that you think would have provided more value To this interview
1: I got a couple of them um, <laughs> no, I mean not not to uh, You know I think the questions that you all No asked, it's
0: great I'm just chuckling but... because you're Officially the longest episode we've ever had And I'm fine with it man uh, uh, Lay <laughs> it on us I still have one more question I want to ask you before I let you go So okay. if you if you folks are at home um, You might want to hit pause if you're <laughs> If you have to be someplace finish this one later <laughs>
1: Um, you know, we're always looking for, um, advantages to, to, to everything, you know, whether it's, um, you know, food costs or whether it's, uh, staffing better or, you know, whatever it is, you know, what's one thing that, that can make your job easier. And, and I don't necessarily know the answer to that one off the top of my head. Um, I think it's a comp, a, a compilation of, of a lot of things. Um, I think the short answer is, is finding good people mm-hmm. and, and making that your, your number one priority. My life, my stress has, uh, is gone down so much, you know, when, you know, for the first year you put a lot of work into it, you put a tremendous amount of work into it, finding those really good people that you can trust, you know, putting more, I put more effort into finding really good people than I do pretty much anything else, because I know that if, if I have good people running it, I can go to bed at nine o'clock at night. I can wake up at six and do my thing and be more, I can do what I need to do better because I know that they, what they're doing, they do better than I do, you know uh you know, I have bartenders that are better than me. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, uh, a chef that's better at cooking than me. You know, I don't want to be the best person at anything. So I think when you I think the the question being, you know, how do you remove yourself from the day-to-day operations so that you can optimize your restaurant and so that you can be um you know, I mean some people like to be the chef driven there every night, uh you know, work till you know the wee hours of the morning get up and do it all over again you're, you're going to kill yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. So, so, you know, at, at what point do you realize that it's something that needs to get done for the success of the restaurant? And I think when you can accept that, when you can accept like, Hey, I don't need to be here every night. You know, I have really good people that I trust. It, it's so much more empowering to our, to our employees because they trust every time I leave at five o'clock on a Friday night, they know that I have the utmost trust and confidence that they're going to execute that night of service flawlessly. And when you can empower those people, uh, it makes my job easier. It makes them startups. happier. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, yeah,
1: it's such a, um, it's so beneficial. And and that's one thing too that I would, you know, the way it happened for us is the soonest it could happen is when it happened. You know, I wouldn't have wanted it to happen any uh, earlier than it would because then I think you lose touch with. You know, if I had a GM the day we opened, um, you know, it doesn't make sense. You have, you have to kind of work up and see where you're at. That's not a sustainable model. Um, but it, for an owner-operator to, to see, like, okay, we're building business, we need we need an extra server, we need an extra bartender, we need an extra cook, you know, and taking it a day at a time and then being like, all right, guys, we, we've got the systems in place, we have the procedures, well, it's executed every day. Mm-hmm. And then my job now is to just keep everybody on the train tracks and, and make sure that they're having the tools that they need that they're having um, the experience, the education, all those sorts of things to, to do their jobs better. You know, that's really what it comes down to.
0: If there is one core value I've learned or one core lesson I've learned, it's that the best people in this industry, the best in our industry are the best because they know they're not the best. Yeah, and it seems so counterintuitive, but like they know they're not the best. But what they're amazing at is finding those who are the best at, at whatever it is that they do, and surrounding themselves with them, and just letting them go, providing the you know the banks to a river, the guidelines and say now, you know, this is who we are, and just go, and exactly. uh, and getting out of the way.
1: <laughs> that's that's what it is. It's finding <laughs> those good people and letting them do their thing, yeah. and letting them grow, and pushing them. You know, we all, we're always pushing. I'm pushing my chef. I'm pushing my manager. I'm pushing my bartenders, my servers, to always be better. Um, not that they're not doing a great job, but it's it's always that you know Danny Meyer says it, it's that constant gentle pressure of of just applying it, knowing that you can do better. You know, there's there's certainly uh, you know people in restaurants where you know okay this person's maxed out, they can't do any more, but you know we don't have anybody like that. You know, we're always uh, applying that pressure to you know, to, to, uh, to clean the floor better or to, to cut the, you know, to do a better julienne cut, you know, it's, it's all those things that we're just always trying to improve on every single day. Absolutely.
0: Um, we're at at like almost an hour and 15 minutes, but there's, I wrote this down before we even started. And I was like, I told myself I had to go here. I had to pick your mind on this one thing that I forgot to do because I was distracted with how awesome your answer was before on technology and Swipely, but your website, man is awesome. Um, so what are you using? Did you do it yourself? And you have some things in here, uh, multiple, basically what I'm getting at with your website being awesome. I want to know what the platform you're on. Also you, you do something, uh, you have multiple channels of revenue. You have, you have merchandise, you have your gift cards all right there, right on the website, which is something I don't think people do enough. They don't, they limit themselves in the opportunities to make more money. Passive, passive yeah. income, which is you don't have to do anything. You build it once it's there. Yeah. So just talk a little bit about that and then we'll wrap it up.
1: Yeah. Um, I built the website, um, obviously, you know, getting a, a degree in marketing. Um, I WordPress, I,
0: I'm sorry, WordPress, uh, that's Squarespace. Squarespace. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: is there but, a theme or a template you used?
1: Um, there is, a, if you ask me the name of it, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But Squarespace is great. It's super intuitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was using Wix, which is uh, another kind of website builder. Um, didn't really have, you know, the, the website is the the first place people go when they want to go dine with mm-hmm. us. There, there's almost a direct correlation between the amount of people that we serve every night and the amount of people that go on our website and look at our menu. Literally every day. The ebbs and flows, the, the peaks and valleys every single day are, uh, there's, the correlation is almost like perfectly one. Um so with that, when I designed it, I knew that there was going to be a lot of traffic there. And so we wanted something that was indicative of what we're trying to do in the, the four walls yeah. here. So we wanted something. So I got professional pictures done. Um, you know, we developed a, a font that we used for everything. You know, we developed um, sort of a – when I t- worked with my photographer – we, we had a, a goal in mind of how we wanted to portray this restaurant. You know, we could have taken those pictures a million different ways, um, but the ways that we did it, we want to showcase the food, we want to showcase the atmosphere, all these things, and we achieved that. So when you can put that all together on a website, it makes people want it even more. And, and you know, in the past couple of days, um, you know, you mentioned revenue streams, you know, putting up uh, the fact that we sell gift cards and T-shirts online took all of 10 minutes um, but the revenue that we've generated from that mm-hmm. is, is incredible. And in a day and age when people are always on the go they they never have time to do anything. Um, you know, yesterday we got six orders for gift cards in, in 10 minutes.
0: What service do you use for uh, your t-shirts?
1: Uh, we do it directly. So we, we get an order in, uh, we process it here and we send it out.
0: Are you using any company that designed your t-shirt or you? you oh, no,
1: put... we, we do all that. Oh, too. wow. Yeah, so all like the mark like if some people think that there's this huge marketing arm of of this restaurant. Um, you're looking at them, uh, or, or you're listening. <laughs>
0: um, so uh, with the with the t-shirt, uh, the 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 merchandise page, the shop page, for example, uh, what are you using for um, that platform to buy? Like the the. the
1: the actual like e-commerce yes yes thank you um there's so through squarespace there's a company or within squarespace they use stripe which Mm -hmm. is kind of like paypal um and everything is taken care of through that so basically the way it works is you online you buy a gift card you can select the the dollar amount we get an email that says that there's an order that's been uh submitted the money goes into our stripe account gets deposited into our Mm -hmm. bank account and we send out the gift card. Um, There's a lot of companies out there that will do that instant gift card. Um, I would rather, you know, there's obviously, there's a fee associated with Stripe, just like there is with everything else, you know, PayPal. Um, I would rather have them have our actual gift card than just a piece of paper that says, you know, Chomp. Uh, Our gift card is, uh, it's aesthetically pleasing. It's part of the brand. Um, It's part of what we do. So, and we also send in a a little note. We put a couple stickers and a to go menu in there too. So it's a nice little package, but, Again, that's part of the brand. It's part of... Uh, anybody can just send a gift card out. Yeah, and yeah. a little extra Are you value.
0: using a plug-in for the gift cards?
1: No. No? no. It's... Um, the way that we have it set up, it's...
0: I'm a pain in uh, the ass, I know. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> it's,
1: it's pretty straightforward. It's, you know, point and click. Uh, yeah. Select the dollar amount. We'll, we do it through micros. So okay. we apply the value to the gift card at the restaurant, and then we send it out. Okay. So there's not like this... Um, this third-party app that we're generating this, and they're getting sent out from, you know, San Francisco or something. So you
0: use Mike Micros as your platform for POS, and then they have this feature that you can embed into your website for the gift cards?
1: Uh, no. We do, like – so one thing that we do, uh, it's kind of old school. We'll get – I'll get an email, something okay. like
0: that. it yep. says,
1: or, order history, uh, you know, Joe Smith, $25 gift card. We'll put that we'll, – my manager will get it. She'll do – go to the POS system. Okay. Ring the gift card in for twenty five dollars. We have a button that says online payment. Got it. That we link for our accounting. You know, order number two hundred is linked to check number ID number. You know, fifty six. Staple it together, and then we're done. Interesting. It's not. um, I guess there are better, there are more seamless ways to do it, but the
0: way that we do it. um, Now do you send it out too, or do you wait for them to come pick it up at the restaurant?
1: No, we send it out. Awesome. So we have um, a little package of of stickers and to-go menus and stuff that we put in there with it.
0: That's Um, even more marketing right there. There's so many opportunities just to... Get stuff out there. All right, man. We're we are way beyond our. I will let you go now. I will release you from the restaurant unstoppable interview. The the shackles that have been on your <laughs> you're, no, 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 not shackles. At all. <laughs> <laughs> the awesome stuff. Uh, so we wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. So who's one indie restaurant professional? Somebody you admire, or, admire, or maybe a couple people you admire. If you can't just think of one, um, that you think would just be great, incredible guest mentors like you have been for us today. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, even in this town, there's a lot of great, um, a lot of great restaurateurs and chefs. Uh, the first guy that comes to mind is a good friend of mine, uh, Rick Allaire, who owns Medicom Kitchen, which is right around the corner from, uh, where I am right now. Um, he's a super talented chef. Um, he's got a, a wide variety of, of experiences. He's, um, a partner and a really great, uh, pizza concept out here. Um, really knows what he's doing. Really talented chef. And, um, you know, he's he's definitely uh, one of the guys uh, that I think would be a, a great guy to have on your show. It, it's a different approach. It's more, you know, I'm more of a business-minded uh, person. He's much more of a, a chef-driven mm-hmm. restaurant, so it's a different model. But it's the same principles. You know, it's still the restaurant business after all. So um, a, a really great uh, restaurant, a, a really great guy, too. So definitely recommend him.
0: Awesome. Rick, look out, oh man, I'm coming after you. I'd love to have you on the show as a guest mentor. And let the folks at home know, Sam, how we can connect with you if we're in Rhode Island and we have that character like you're looking for, that drive, that passion, and we want to be on your team. How can we connect?
1: Uh, you can email me directly. You know, it's pretty transparent. We don't have this uh, bureaucracy of, of uh, you know, firewalls and all these things that you have to get through to talk to me. Um, just email Sam at chompri like Rhode Island.com. dot com. Uh, you can also fill out there's a form on the bottom of our website that you can fill out that gets emailed directly to me um you also stop by the restaurant you know chances are i'm going to be here if i'm not i was either just here or i'm coming back so uh i'm never too far away um you can always call the restaurant too uh and and see what's what's going on um we get people that call about jobs uh we get people that call about wait times Mm -hmm. you know so like i said earlier you know we try to be as transparent as we can um you know it's just because we're we're busy and popular doesn't mean that we're not accessible Mm -hmm. you know it's i try to be as accessible as i can some days are harder than others um some days you have to turn it off just because you need that time to you know to go buy a christmas tree or something like that but uh you know we're always here uh we're always looking to speak to to possible candidates you know we love we love hanging out with with good people and talking to good people and whether it comes of you know a job comes of it or you know we just make a friendship um that's really what we're all about so
0: Sam Glynn, man, thank you so much for coming on the show, for being a guest mentor, for sharing all this incredible advice with us. You can find everything that we talked about today on the show. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 197. We covered a lot. I'll try to get it all in the show notes. But Sam, man, there's no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank
1: you, Eric. I appreciate the time. Just
0: fun. <laughs> Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up. Here at Restaurants Unstoppable, Sam Glynn, dude, you were awesome. So much awesome advice here. If you stuck around the extra 20 or so minutes to listen to all of Sam's advice, thank you. I'm sorry I went long, but I think we could all agree it was worth hanging out because he just was sharing so much actionable advice. And I really think I just want to put emphasis on his last piece of advice, which was like You know, if you could just give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? And his advice was to systematize and add those processes and procedures and standards to your restaurant as soon as possible. Because when you do that, you free yourself up. You buy yourself more time. And when you buy yourself time, you can do those things like go to bed at 9 o'clock at night. Imagine doing that, going to bed at 9 o'clock at night when your restaurant, your bar is still open and functioning. You can go to bed, get that 8 hours of sleep, be up by whatever he said, six o'clock in the morning and tackle your day and live intentionally and do things to make yourself better every day to work on your website, to work on these little side projects that can bring you in passive income, uh, where you can be just making money, doing work that he said took him 10 minutes that he just has money coming in now because he took control of his life. He put those systems in place and the faster you do it, the faster you can start getting, you know, that, that control. And that's so important. So if you want to learn more about how you can systematize your business and get those processes and procedures in place, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I've got a whole list of books I know of uh, that I can share with you, tools that have been mentioned on the show that can just you can plug into your restaurant to get systems working today. So just you know, connect with me. I'm here for you. Take advantage of it. All right. That's all I have. Um, Like always, please support the show. There's a few ways to do it. Five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio go so far. Using my links goes a long way, too. Sometimes I have affiliates, and if... If you discover their products through my links, they give me a little kickback, and that really does help support the show. And then lastly, just spread the word. This podcast is here so we don't have to go it alone, so we can learn from each other, so we can learn from these successful people what it takes to be successful. So who do you know that's opening a restaurant or somebody who's in the restaurant business, they want access to a resource like this, just share it with them. Let's build a community around Restaurant Stoppable. Uh, That's all I have today, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you you so much until next time peace out